It's time. It's time to go wild. It's time for our wildest campaigns of the year, where we count down the craziest and, well, wildest activist fights of 2023 so far. I'm Kieran Paul, and for this countdown, I am joined by members of our fine editorial team, Rebecca Sherritt, who you hear regularly, alongside Jason Booth, Miles Rogerson, Antoinette Giblin and Will Arnott. The top five countdown appears in our recently released Proxy Season Review 2023, which you can get now for free and there is a link in the description. Each of our writers will tell you about a campaign until of course we reach the number one wildest campaign of the year. So kicking off at five is Politan Capital at Massimo. Miles, we'll go to you for this. What happened there? Yeah, so uh, Massimo had quite a rough 2022, full of operational underperformance, legal skirmishes, uh, and an unpopular acquisition that ultimately sent its stock down just over 40%. And it was at this point that Politan Capital Management disclosed a 8.8% um, stake in the company. Two months later, Politan had filed a lawsuit against Massimo, uh, claiming that its board had breached its fiduciary duty by approving a, a pretty dilutive poison pill with a 10% trigger. Uh, and adding new nomination requirements that the activists described as extreme. The company did all of this after uh, Politan privately stated interest in joining the board. The lawsuit was uh, kicked back and forth for several months, and Massimo ultimately agreed to revert to its old bylaws in February this year, making it a lot easier for Politan. The activists kept up the legal pressure, though, despite the, the conceit by Massimo. Regarding CEO Joe Chiani's employment agreement, uh, which, among other things, would allow him restricted stock units equal to about 5% of the outstanding shares. This uh, higher level of insider ownership would represent a bigger hurdle for Politan to overcome in the event of a proxy contest. There was at this time that Politan was actually joined by the Californian State Teachers Retirement System, which only held a 0.16% stake in Massimo at the time, but you know, still represented extra help. Uh, and at the special meeting, which was held on June 26th, Politan won two board seats, including one for its chief investment officer, Quentin Coffey. At four is Coliseum Capital at Purple Innovation. Antoinette. Yes, Kieran. Um, this is a US company, Purple Innovation, as you mentioned, and it's a company that designs and manufactures mattresses, cushions and other related products. And this particular battle with Coliseum was followed on our newswire over a period of about eight months. So the campaign kicked off in September of last year when Coliseum Capital Management, that's a firm founded by Christopher Shackleton and Adam Gray, um, it offered to acquire the company for $4.35 per share. And at the time, it had roughly a 45% stake um, and said Purple would be best served to navigate its challenges and its risks, as they described them, as a private company. So shortly after that approach, Purple moved to adopt a poison pill, saying the defence would give its board a bit of flexibility in evaluating the offer, which it later then ultimately rejected in January for undervaluing the business and its prospects. So Coliseum's next move saw the firm launch a contest seeking a majority of Purple's board after the bid was rejected and a cooperation proposal was also rejected. So then February saw the battle heat up even further with Coliseum nominating five directors to the seven person board and also indicating it was no longer interested in buying the company at all. So Purple then um, 
ball back in Purple's court and Purple responded by issuing preferred stock with cumulative voting rights to prevent the possible board sweep. Um, So a lot of back and forth, particularly in February. So um, after that particular effort, Coliseum took to the courts to block that move, which it argued was designed to entrench management. So in March, the activists rejected a settlement offer for three of the six board seats on offer. And then finally, in April, Purple Innovation finally reached a settlement with Coliseum, under which three new directors were appointed and incumbent director Adam Gray, who I mentioned earlier is the managing partner at Coliseum, would take over as board chair there. So it also agreed at the time under that settlement to terminate its controversial poison pill. So as you can see, a lot of twists and turns in that particular campaign, Kieran. Taking bronze is Tryon Partners at Disney. Rebecca. Tryon's campaign at Walt Disney was gearing up to be what looked like one of the headline campaigns of the season. But then it drew to a pretty abrupt close after the US media giant unveiled a pretty bold restructuring plan that promised to result in more than $5 billion in savings. Disney's faced a lot of activist engagement recently, with Trion first revealing its intention to nominate founder Nelson Peltz, just one month after Disney reshuffled its board as part of a truce with Third Point Partners. At the same time, Disney also revealed that Bob Iger would be returning as CEO, two years into his successor's tenure, which no doubt raised some eyebrows among its shareholders. According to Peltz, Disney was a company in crisis. Trion noted in its communications that Disney had shedded $120 billion in market value last year, seeing its earnings per share decline by 50% since 2018, and scrapping its dividend in 2020 for the first time in 57 years. It all looked set to come to a head in an April proxy contest, until the campaign took a sudden change in direction of February, when Disney published better-than-expected financial results for quarter one of 2023, along with a raft of business initiatives, including plans to reinstate its dividend by the end of the year, and a reorganisation under three new core businesses. The next day, Peltz ended his fight at Disney, claiming these changes are a win for all shareholders. Despite the campaign coming to a rather quiet close, it's still undoubtedly one of the biggest of the season, given its many twists and turns, and the big plays that were involved. It also served to foreshadow how 2023 would be the year of settlement agreements, which were largely in response to the introduction of Universal Proxy. Hello, my name is Jonathan Litt. I'm the Chief Investment Officer and founder of Land & Buildings. You're listening to Beyond the Boardroom from Insidia. Now, this is where it gets dramatic. Uh, We all vote as part of the editorial team on this. And the top two were incredibly close. However, someone needs to miss out. So who misses out on gold and takes the silver? Will. So this year's runner-up is IAA and Richie Bros in their merger. Tell us all about it. I think what made this campaign so wild, as we put it, isn't so much to do with the actual merger between the two companies. I do not think I've ever seen a merger that has had so many external parties coming out and either supporting or condemning it. It truly felt like battle lines were drawn in the sand, so to speak. 
on one side, you had the two companies who were perfectly content with going ahead with the deal that they'd agreed upon. And then they also had some investor support from Encora Holdings, who criticised the deal's critics. And then you also had Starboard Value, who helped sweeten the deal between the parties with a $500 million investment agreement with RB Global. But the other side, standing in opposition, seemed from an outside perspective to be much larger. First, it was Luxor Capital that came out against it describing U.S. salvage vehicle auctioneer IAA as distinctly inferior to Richie Bros. Then came Janus Henderson, which described the deal as risky and a distraction from RB's, which is what I'll abbreviate Richie Bros to, RB's strategy. After that, it was deep field asset management, which claimed that the deal would destroy shareholder value and that it should be sent to the scrapyard. I think they were quite proud of that pun. Now, at this point, you might think that that's all, but no, more people came up against it. Next up was major IAA shareholder Disserene, which said that the deal lacked compelling strategic rationale for IAA, as the sale would, according to them, force shareholders to assume significant executions risks with an unproven management team. At the same time, Eminence Capital, which is an RB shareholder, called the deal flawed and risky and touted that the cost of the deal would not be compelling for RB shareholders. Following all of this, the deal was still set to go ahead, provided it garnered enough support at the March 14th special meeting. But before that, there was the small issue of proxy advisor verdicts from ISS and Glass-Lewis. And they tend to have a decent sway on how votes turn out. Despite a report from United Phillips Partners that gave a 70% probability that the deal would be backed by the proxy advisory giants, both came out against the deal just a week before the meeting was set to take place. Now, if you weren't hearing sort of nails being hammered into coffins at this point, you could maybe faintly hear them in the distance. And then that sound of potential collapse was amplified even still when less than 48 hours before the special meeting was set to take place, Richie Bro's own co-founder, David Ritchie, unsurprisingly, came out against the deal derided the potential decision by the customer to take up its own management's time in turning around IAA's, what he called, declining business. Now, based on everything I've told you at this point, with proxy advisors, major shareholders, and even one of the company's co-founders coming out against the deal, you'd be forgiven for assuming that the proposed merger crashed and burned when it went to vote at the March 14th meeting, but you would be mistaken. As according to DMI's voting module, 54.3% of shareholders ultimately approved the deal. And then less than three months after the thing concluded, Richie Bros announced that it was rebranding and will now be known as RB Global. And that leaves one very, very dramatic campaign for Jason to tell us about. Jason, over to you. Carl Icahn's campaign at Illumina started out as a protest against the company's reacquisition of Grail, the gene sequencing company, which he argued would be unwound in the face of regulators. Now, the company had gone ahead and approved the deal, despite the fact that the European Union was in the midst of an antitrust investigation. Icahn considered that a terrible risk for the company, and it, it led to a 
roughly 50% fall in the company's stock price, you know, following the uh, the announcement of the deal. So he was looking to get three seats on the board. But in a typical Icon campaign, it quickly moved beyond simply targeting the company and focused very much on Illumina's chief executive, Francis D'Souza, and chairman, John Thompson, who Icon accused of having less than independent relationship, given that they had worked together at another company and publicly referred to each other as friends. Icon really nailed that argument and gained a lot of traction. And despite the fact that Icon himself was facing his own set of trouble in the face of a short seller attack against Icon Enterprises that led to a fall of 60% in his own company, shareholders in Illumina didn't seem to mind that. Um, The sense was that Icon was right. And as a result, they overlooked the issue and they elected Icon Lieutenant Andrew Tenno to the board at the May 25th annual meeting. And they voted out Chairman Thompson. Not only that, several weeks later, uh, CEO D'Souza also left the company. Now, that would look like a, uh, a victory for Icon, and it certainly was. And it turns out that Icon was right because the European Union on July 5th imposed a fine of $453 million on the company in connection with its acquisition of Grail. Now, that represents about 10% of the company's annual turnover and is the largest fine of its kind in EU history. So for a campaign that started so wild, we should have expected a wild ending, and we certainly got one. So that's it for another year of wild campaigns. Make sure to get your free copy of our Proxy Season Review 2023. I'm Kieran Paul. Thank you for listening.